This is Lead Minister Nathan Pelahowski of RSCC. I just want to welcome you to the RSCC podcast. Here's something I want you to know. I want you to know that you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says that you matter when he sent his son Jesus to die for us. Today I hope this message challenges you and encourages you to take your next faith step. Well, good morning, RCC family. Like I said, my name is Adam, and I'm the youth minister here at RCC. And I am honored to be able to be with you this morning and have a conversation as we continue in our series that we've been in. This is the fourth week now. We've been in a series called The Supreme Life, and we've been going through the book of Colossians. And you know, I love series like this because it gives us an opportunity as a body of believers to simply open up the Word of God and go through a book of the Bible together and see what God has for us from his word. And, and we've been going, like I said, this is the fourth week, we've been going through Colossians, and we'll be in Colossians 3 today. So if you want to get ahead of the ball, you can open up to Colossians 3 in your uh, Bible app or in your paper Bible. But before we jump into our passage this morning, as I was preparing uh, for this morning, I, I thought of something that I've noticed a lot of people do. And I've seen uh, my family members do this. I've seen myself do this. Uh, probably a lot of you have done this before. And, and what I'm referring to is the tendency that a lot of us have to hold on to old clothing, whether it be a jacket or a pair of boots or a t-shirt or a pair of jeans. Maybe you have that one piece of clothing that you've had for years on years and you just can't get rid of it. One, because you love it and it has sentimental value, but also it's your tried and true, true jacket, your boots, and, and maybe it even got a tear in it or a hole in it and you either did an at-home stitch-up job or you're just like, well, I'm just going to rock it with the holes in it. A lot of us probably can think of something in our closet that uh, maybe we haven't even worn in a while, right? It's just like in a bin somewhere and you know it's there, but like the chance of you ever wearing it again is probably zero. Uh, but I, I thought of that because uh, a couple years ago when, when COVID first started, I was staying at my mom's house and uh, I was going through an old bin of my clothes in my closet at her house. And I was going through this bin and uh, I found this shirt that was in the bin of my old clothes that instantly uh, sparked a memory in my mind. And this shirt, it was a blue Aeropostale t-shirt. It was uh, the epitome of swag when I was in middle school. And um, so I, I found this shirt. Oh, oh yeah, we threw up the picture already. This is uh, uh, this shirt that I'm talking about. And uh, when I found that shirt, I instantly got uh, thrown back to this memory. I was in fifth or sixth grade, maybe in middle school. And uh, I got home from school one day and uh, I, I wanted to post on Facebook because Facebook was kind of new at the time and everybody was posting mirror selfies and you know I didn't really want to just post a picture of me looking sweaty like I just got off the school bus so uh the what you don't see in this picture is uh, I, I got home from school okay so yeah <laughs> that was a little uh okay that is what I was going to get to in a second so in this first picture here um is me dressed up I, I went to my room and I was like you know I need to be looking good I need this post to get rolling to gain some traction I need the ladies to like my uh, khaki cargo pants so I threw on this outfit and I was like this post is about to do numbers and uh it, as you can see it's it, looking at it now it's kind of cringy and I can laugh because I remember that what I captioned that photo was I'm a cutie with uh, no space between the I'm and an A in the A because that's what we did but uh, in 2020, when I was at my mom's house, I thought it would be funny to, uh, to put on that shirt. And uh, that shirt is a, a size small, adult small. 
And uh, in 2020, I was wearing adult XL. And as you can see, uh, it doesn't exactly fit, right? There's, a, there's some change in me from 2012 to 2020. I grew up, I graduated high school, uh, I was about to graduate college, and uh, I grew uh, probably a few cheeseburgers between the left side and the right side. And I had grown out of that t-shirt, but it was still there. And I had some sentimental value connected to that shirt because it was what I wore um, in middle school a lot of times. So maybe you have something like that, that is a, a shirt that's sitting around that hasn't been worn in a while, but you keep it for whatever reason. And the reason I share this silly little story is because uh, there's some things that are fairly obvious to me when I look at this side by side. I, I see that it, someone who wears an XL t-shirt shouldn't be wearing a size small t-shirt first off. Um, and I've seen that I've grown since middle school and, and that shirt isn't meant for me anymore. It, I've outgrown it. And the reason that I share that is because spiritually in a lot of our lives, uh, maybe there's something that you've held on to that you've kept in your closet hidden away and, and you might not bring it out all the time, but maybe there's something in your life that spiritually is holding you back to your old life. And today, as we go through Colossians 3, Paul is going to be walking us through what it means to go from old life to new life. And did I just get louder? Um, so as we walk through Colossians 3, Paul is going to show us what it looks like to go from old life to new life. And in our lives, there might be things that we hold on to that we're going to have to let go of things in our life that are keeping us in our old ways, in our old life. And as we go through Colossians 3, um, we're going to see how Paul urges us to turn away from and throw out things in our lives that are not what God calls us to be. Uh, so as we walk through these verses this morning, I invite you to start to think about what in your life might be something that you've been holding on to for far too long, might be something that you've outgrown, something that isn't meant for you anymore. So would you pray with me as we jump into our passage from Colossians this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us to this space this morning. I pray that as we interact with your word, God, and as we dive into what it means to step in to new life, I pray that you would move in our hearts, God, that what you have for us in this passage, in this time, would be what we get. Anything that I bring to this passage, God, I pray would fall away and that you would speak through it. And it's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So as we go through some of Colossians 3 today, we'll see how Paul, the author of Colossians, uh, has been urging us to turn away and throw out things in our lives that isn't what God calls us to be. So we're going to walk through these verses this morning. And as we do that, uh, we're going to start off by going through the first four verses together, and we're going to read through them, and then I'm going to break it down a little bit, a little bit more verse by verse. But first off, I just want to jump through these first four verses together. And Paul says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the reality of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden in Christ." hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So like I said, first we're going to look just at the first verse here in chapter 3 of Colossians. And uh, this, specifically this part here, it says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. 
Set your sights on the realities of heaven. And as we look at verse one, if you're a note taker, you're taking notes, I want you to write this point down. New life creates new vision. New life creates new vision. And here in verses one and two of Colossians three, we're told that since we've been raised to new life through believing that Jesus is Lord, we are to set our sights or to set our focus, what we're focusing on in the realities of heaven, not the things of this earth. New life creates new vision. And for you parents out there, uh, you know that once you had your first kid, uh, the things that you previously were able to set your sights on, the things you were able to give your energy to or, or focus on, those things shifted once you were fostering this new life. You probably weren't able to go out as much. You probably weren't able to go to the movies as much or whatever you like to do, your focus had to shift once there was a new life. And in the same way in our spiritual lives, once we're brought into new life in Jesus, once we're made new and being raised into new life in Jesus, there's gonna be things that we used to care a lot about, things that we used to pour our energy into all the time, things that we used to be focused on that no longer are going to fit who God is calling us to be, are, are no longer going to be in our sights because if our sights are on heaven, there's going to be things that get left behind that aren't in God's plan. And in each of our lives, setting our focus on the realities of heaven can look different, right? It could look like cutting out certain habits or addictions in your life that are bringing you down, or it could look like you working on controlling your anger, your judgment. And the truth of it is, each of us have a lot of different things that, that we could be doing that pull us away from a God-centered mindset in our lives. And, and for each and every one of us, this verse is reminding you, is reminding me that when we are raised to new life in Jesus, when we are brought into new life, we have to allow God to continually refine us, continually refocus our minds. And you could say, by Paul saying, focus on the realities of heaven, you could also hear him saying, we need to be focused on God's desire. In our lives, we need to be focused on God's desire for where he's leading us, where he's taking us, what he's calling us to, who he's calling us to. We need to be focused on God's desire. And you know what I've seen in, in so many believers' journey of faith is we gain this understanding of who Jesus is and, and we surrender our lives to him and then some time goes by, life happens, we lose focus, we get caught up in cycles of the world or we allow our own desires to take over and we find ourselves doing things that we weren't wishing to do, going down paths we never hoped to go because our focus slowly shifted. It's not something that happens in an instant. A lot of times in our lives, our focus slowly shifts, right? Oftentimes, it's just like you wake up one day and somehow, one way or another, all of your attention is all of your energy, all of your focus is going to sports or your kid's team or your job or laying out your five, 15, 20-year plan. And all of our focus is being poured out on to everything else without first looking to God. So God is calling us out here. He's calling us out here and he says, set your sights on heaven. Let everything else not come before, setting your sights on heaven, setting your sights on what God's desire is in 
your life. And, and we hear this, and it's easy to be like, yeah, that sounds great, right? But that doesn't make all the things and responsibilities in my life just poof away in an instant. I still have to manage the things in my life. I still have to uh, go to these places. I still have to make money to support my family. And the beautiful thing that happens that I notice when we choose to set our sights on the realities of heaven, when we choose to look at God's desire for our life above all, the beautiful thing that happens is the, the things in our life don't actually have to go away. We don't have to lose all of those things. Actually, we just get to reorient our mind in those things. And obviously, if there's something that's clearly not what God desires for us or is a sinful lifestyle, like we should not be hanging on to that and saying, oh, I'm going to set my sights on heaven but still be in this. No, that's not what Paul is saying. But what he is saying is that there is something that we might miss sometimes where we can still be involved in all the things we're responsible for, all of the things uh, our energy is going to, but do it in a way where our sight and our focus is on God's desire through it. When we, sight, when we set our sights on heaven, no longer is uh, going to our kids' practices or games just a space we have to occupy and, and be there for, but it's an opportunity for us to leave a positive kingdom impact on the fellow parents, uh, show our kids what it looks like to be an example of faith and be somebody who is living out the teachings of Jesus. And no longer is our, our job somewhere we go just to check in and check out and get a paycheck, but we have the opportunity to leave a positive kingdom impact on our coworkers, on our bosses, and, and be people who in every aspect of our lives are setting our sights on God's desire. And, and it doesn't make us drop everything, but rather put purpose into everything. Do everything in our lives in a way that chases after what God desires and spreads it to those around us. And when we set our sights on heaven, we don't have to remove ourselves from the world. Rather, we're able to partake in the things of our life and do so through a lens of God's kingdom. Do so in a way that honors God's desire. And it becomes an opportunity to leave that positive kingdom impact everywhere we go. Every person we encounter gets to see, hey, that's what it looks like to love somebody the way that God loves us. And ultimately, what Paul is getting at here in verse 1 is he's, he's saying when we're raised to new life in Christ, there's a life change that comes with that. You know, growing up, one thing my youth pastor always said is he would say the best evidence of a changed life is a changed life. The best way to tell if somebody's life has been changed is if you see their life changed. If the outworkings of their spirit are different. And I think it's so true that if we really have been transformed by Jesus and surrendered everything to him, that we're gonna see a different in, difference in how we're living, how we're interacting with others. And it should be different than how we acted and interacted and, and treated people before we knew Jesus. So in our lives, there's stuff, if there's moments and stuff that make you go, you know, I thought when I believed in Jesus that this would change, this would be different. You know, I thought I wouldn't be like this once I knew Jesus. And if that's you, maybe you need to have a real moment with yourself and with God and, and ask yourself, have I truly surrendered every single aspect of my life to God? Have I truly surrendered every part of my life to Jesus as I continue to set my sights and my focus on heaven and what God desires in my life. And what Paul might say to you is, 
is take it off. Take it off. Take off your old life that was a slave to sin and caught up in the things of this world, just like my size small t-shirt that didn't fit anymore. So too are the sinful ways of living in our lives not fit for us anymore. The ways that we used to live aren't the ways that we're meant to live after we know Jesus. It doesn't fit us anymore. It's not meant for us anymore. It's not designed for us anymore. And Paul would probably follow up saying, take it off by put it on. And it's, it's counterintuitive almost, but he's saying, put on something different. Put on your new life. Don't just read or hear about the life of Jesus. Live it out. Live out the life that God desires for you, but, and actually apply it and live it out in your day-to-day life. And, and what follows that is reaping the blessings of peace and joy that only come through being with Jesus each and every day. And while saying take it off and put it on, I almost feel like, uh, as I was preparing this, I almost felt like I was like uh, training the karate kid, like take off the jacket, put on the jacket, take off the jacket, put on the jacket, take it off, put it on, take off your old life, put on your new life. But that is the theme that we see here in Colossians 3 of Paul saying, take off all of your old ways, take off everything that is keeping you from where God is taking you and put on your new life, put on what God has in front of you because what is in front of you is good and life fulfilling. So, so we move forward in this passage a little bit, and Paul says this. This is in three, verses 3 and 4. He says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. And here Paul goes on. He's reminding us, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, our old ways, our old selves, have passed away and are raised up into new life. Our entire existence, our entire being is hidden in Jesus. And who we were before we knew Jesus isn't who we are after we know Jesus. There's a transformation that happens there. Just as Jesus went into the grave and came out in new life, we too die to ourselves, go into the grave and are raised up into new life. So as we have surrendered our life to Jesus, as we go to the grave and are raised up in new life, we're called to live with a higher standard. We're called to live a life that is honoring to God. But, you know, we all know that the reality is that there's going to be moments where we fall, moments where we revert to old mindsets, where we go back to things that we tried to leave behind, where we let ourselves down. We all know that's the reality. But what Paul is saying here is that even in the moments when we fall short, even on your worst day, not even that can separate you from God's love because what does he say here? He says we're hidden in Christ. What that means is that when when God sees us, even on our worst day, when we're surrendered to Jesus and we're hidden in Christ, all of our shortcomings, all of the pain that we have caused, anything that we do wrong, is seen by God through the lens of Jesus being over us, us surrendering everything to Jesus. So when God sees you on your worst day, he doesn't see your mistake. He sees the perfection that Jesus has hidden you under. Because when we surrender our life to Jesus, we are brought in to his perfection. And that's what salvation is, is God sees us as he sees Jesus as perfect. And our brokenness, is hidden in the perfection of Christ. And you know, that's a direct outcome of us putting on the new life 
that comes with believing Jesus as Savior, right? And, and no longer are we defined by our mistakes or even on our worst day, defined by the actions that we make. And you know, from my experiences and what I've seen in so many people's lives is that we come to believe Jesus as Lord and then some time passes. Again, life happens. We find ourselves falling short, messing up, reverting back to old ways. You know, in those moments, I think it's important for us to remember what Paul says in, in Romans 5 and 6. You might be familiar with the verses. He says, where sin increases, grace increases all the more. But, where sin increases, grace increases all the more. But, does that mean that we should continue on sinning? And, and politely put, Paul says, heck no. And, and what he's meaning there is just because we know that we're hidden in Christ and that grace is just around the corner if we mess up, it doesn't mean that we should take advantage of God's grace and continue living in a lifestyle that isn't meant for us, not fit for us in our new life. And, and you know, our lives being hidden in Christ is not an excuse for us to do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. What being in Christ, hidden in Christ actually does is it gives us grace when we do mess up, but it calls us to a higher standard of living. It calls us to a new life that isn't settling for what we had in our old life. And the beautiful part of these two verses here is that it gives us hope for the future. It gives us uh, something to look forward to because Paul is reminding us here. He's like, hey, I know that you're hidden in Christ during this life, and when you mess up, God sees you as he sees Jesus. And the, the beautiful part here is that he gives us a little hint of what's coming. And he says, hey, when Jesus returns, when the king of king, kings returns to earth, you too, in all of your brokenness, will be able to share in his glory because you surrendered everything to Jesus. And, and although you might mess up, you might fall, when Jesus returns, you too will share in his glory glory. And I don't know about you, but that's something that excites me because I don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. But God gives us the gift of being hidden in Christ when we simply surrender and believe in him as Lord. And I, we get to bask in his glory. We get to bask in the presence of the king of kings when he returns. And that is something that we get to look forward to, something that we get to rejoice continually over. And it makes me realize that surrendering our lives to Christ, it has never-ending gifts, and it might not be the gifts that we uh, would want on the front end. It might not be the biggest house, the biggest paycheck, but the gifts that we receive in Christ surpass anything that we could ever uh, earn on this, or on this planet or, or gain on this earth. The gifts we receive in Christ are never-ending because not only do we get to experience life that is truly life now, we get the promise of the realities of heaven later as, as we one day will pass away. And if we are hidden in Christ, surrendered and believed in him as Lord, we too will share in Christ's glory forever and ever, right? So continuing on through this passage, I'm gonna summarize the next group of verses here. We're gonna look at verses five through 11. I'm gonna summarize these. And, and Paul uses this moment to kind of have us look back at what we were, what we used to be at our old life kind of calls us out on things that might have been a part of our old life, and he gives us an opportunity to rejoice that that's not who we are anymore. So pretty much he's like, put to death anything 
that is of earthly nature. Put to death anything that is of the world that is drawing you away from God. And he lists off some examples of that, like anger, greed, sexual immorality, slander, and idolatry. And Paul's like, look, I know you used to walk in certain ways. I know you used to live a certain lifestyle. And those things might not have been pleasing to the Lord. And he calls us out and asks us if we're willing to trade out our old normal for a new normal in Christ, or to use our t-shirt analogy, the t-shirt that fit and worked for years might have worked well for that time when you did not know Jesus, but now that you've grown, that you've matured, that you've received Jesus as your Lord, the things that fit before don't work now. They aren't made for you. They are not designed for you. And the the beautiful thing is that in in new life in Jesus, we have, to continue with the t-shirt analogy, we have a perfectly tailored shirt waiting for us, better than anything we could ever make, ever earn. And we are given that gift in Jesus. And Paul goes on and he finishes up this group of verses by letting us know that in this new life in Jesus, there is no exclusion of certain groups of people, and he lists off some that would have been relevant at the time, but it still applies in our world today, that there's no exclusion of certain groups of people at the feet of Jesus. And this reminder draws us to invite people from all different backgrounds, all different walks of life, all different stories to the table with Jesus. You know, I think he says this here specifically, because he kind of was like, hey, look at what you used to be. Look at how you used to live. And he's like, just because somebody else has their flaws that you might have judgments about, just because someone else uh, comes from a different background than you, Paul gives us the double whammy here. And he's like, yeah, you used to be broken and messed up, but you have received the gift of life in Jesus, which we're like, amen, come on, that's awesome. But then he takes the opportunity and he's like, oh, and while I have you here, don't you ever try to keep someone away from Jesus because of who they are or their background, because you have your junk just as much as the next person. So as followers of Jesus, we have to be committed to make sure that we're continually doing all we can to embody the teachings of Jesus as we're living into that new life, as we're setting our mind on heaven, as we're focusing on what God desires for our life, we have to continually make sure that we're doing so in a manner that honors God and honors others. So I wanna look at the next group of verses here. I think this part uh, is kind of Paul taking the idea of old and new life, kind of full circle. He kind of walked us through what our old life may have looked like and what we've been brought out of. And now he gives us a hint and a picture of what new life looks like. And he lets us have hope in what new life is. And he's going to show us what uh, our new lives ought to look like as we put it on. So let's read a few verses here. We're going to start in verse 12 here. Verse 12 and 13 say, Therefore, as God's chosen people... Holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you too must forgive others. And and what I notice to be important here is how the attributes that Paul instructs us to live, all of them in some way or another, have to do with how we treat others, right? When we're compassionate with someone, we commit ourselves to walk alongside them when they're going through a hard time, when we're kind and gentle, we use our words and our actions 
to walk alongside someone who is hurting and honor and respect them. And when we're humble and we're patient, we're choosing to not allow our emotions to lead our thoughts and actions, but allow the love of God to overflow into relationships and our interactions with others. And, and man, I think verse 13 here is so important in our country today. Paul says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. And obviously, we all have seen so much disagreement in our world today and people getting offended if someone doesn't think exactly like them. And what I hear Paul begging us to do here is to remember that we aren't perfect and that Jesus had to forgive you and me just as much as the next person. So in the same way, when we're called to interact with others, with our communities, with the people around us, even those we disagree with, we're called to interact with them and treat them with grace and kindness and forgiveness instead of anger and judgment. And you know, next Paul goes on and he lets us know, hey, what, what do we need to keep at the forefront of our minds? And he says, above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And you know, I think we need to be reminded that he did not say, Above all, clothe yourselves with righteous anger. Or above all, be quick to judge that person. Or above all, do what you can to earn the things you desire. Instead of giving us a five-step program to spiritual success, Paul gets real with us. He gets down in the dirt and he, he lets us know that above all, as we follow God and step into new life, the first thing that our minds should be on is how we can clothe ourselves with love. And what that looks like is loving the people around us well, loving those around us, how God has loved us. And it makes me think about how we get to reflect the love of God to the world, right? As Christians, as we step into new life, we're given the opportunity. Each and every morning when we have new breath, we're given the opportunity to love those around us as God has loved us. And, you know, that can look like a lot of different things can be in the grocery store, can be on the highway, can be at school, can be in your workplace. And maybe by the grace of God, it could even be in the BMV on a day with long lines and grumpy people. But Paul goes on and he lets us know that we get to reflect the love of God. We get to be the people who are extending God's love to our communities, to our families, to our friend groups. And I know, I know that's probably something you've heard hundreds of times maybe, but I think we need to keep hearing it until we fully embody it in our lives because each and every day we have that opportunity to look at the people we encounter and say, hey, you know, I might not agree with you on everything. We might have our differences, but God loved me, so I too will love you. And you may be like, Adam, I agree with you. That sounds great, but you know, I'm just exhausted. I'm exhausted by our culture and trying to bring love everywhere when I'm always getting discouraged and let down by people in our world. And, you know, if you feel like that at all, I think what Paul says next here is perfect for you because in verse 15, he says, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your heart, since as members as one body, you were called to peace. You were called to peace. Notice where he says our peace comes from, though. 
He doesn't say how our peace comes from who's in office, how the stock market is doing, what our next career step is, or how many followers we have on social media. He says, plain and simple, the peace that only comes from knowing Jesus intimately will be the thing that gets you through your days, be the thing that gets you through the discouraging moments because the peace of God cannot be substituted by anything that we can find on this planet. The peace we find in Jesus must capture the focus of our heart. And you know, that can look like a lot of different things for you, but I think for every single one of us, that looks like what Paul's saying here, leaving our old ways behind, choosing to step into new life, that looks different, and letting the peace that only comes from knowing Jesus be what carries us through our days, because you and I both know that there's going to be days where we face things that we never wanted to face, where we lose somebody, where we have to overcome an addiction or fight through something, resolve a friendship or a family relationship, things that we never would have wanted to go through. The reality is each and every one of us face those things. How do we get through it? Well, Paul says, and what I believe is the peace that we find in Jesus transcends anything we could ever face. No mountain in our life is too big. No river is too wide for us to cross that the peace of Jesus can't get us through. And and as I think about what new life in Jesus looks like, I think it, it, what the most basis base level of it, it looks like allowing our hearts to be fully rooted in God's promises so that the worries of our life, the worries of the world can't sway us, can't take us away from our purpose because you and I, we don't get our purpose from our boss. We don't get our purpose from uh, the person driving in front of us. We don't get our purpose from the person checking us out at the store. We only get our purpose from one place. That's the presence of God, the, the truth that God has over our lives. And what that might look, for, look like for you as you step into new life, as you uh, realign in new life, might look different. But what I do know is that nothing in your life, no battle you could face, no pain that you could feel, could ever snuff out the love that Jesus has for you. And there's never been a time where Jesus has stopped chasing after you. No skeleton in your closet is too big. No battle or, or worry that you have in your mind is being, being winning over Christ because Jesus has gone before us. He overcame death. And like Paul says, we get to share in that. We get to bask in Jesus' glory. And he's gone before us and he will continue to do so. So as I begin to wrap up here in a minute, I want to challenge you and encourage you in what we've looked at today. And and first, if if you wouldn't say that you know Jesus, that you have not yet received new life in Jesus, I want to invite you to to at least think about how Jesus' love for you and desire for you to be raised into new life could transform your entire existence, how you live, how you think, how you interact, how you go about relationships because I know that life transformation happens in the presence of God. I know that Jesus, for every single one of us in this room, is continually chasing after us. And whether you know Jesus intimately or you have never spoken to him, he loves you so deeply. And I would love to have a conversation after this if that's you today. But, and for a lot of us in this place right now, 
you have believed in Jesus for a while, that Jesus is the Lord of your life. But maybe, you know, you've slipped into old ways or old patterns, or you found yourself going back to certain things. And if that's you, I want you to know that there's never a moment where you're too far gone. There's never a moment where Jesus says, eh, it's not worth it anymore. It's a lost cause. No, Jesus chases after you to the last day here on earth. In each and every moment, if there's a, a time where you're thinking, hey, I've fallen off track, you know, I've, I've gone back to this. If people truly knew what was going on, nobody would want to talk to me. If you've ever had that feeling, I, I challenge you to ask Jesus to begin to transform the old life that has been sneaking back into your life, the old life that has been uh, finding its way through the cracks, and, and invite Jesus to bring new life to those places, to bring transformation to those cycles. In Jesus, we have new life, and none of us, not a single one of us, are meant to hold on to the worries and struggles of our old life. You know, they're going to come for us. The, the worries, the anxieties are going to spring up. But at the end of the day, we have the opportunity to surrender everything to God. And maybe this morning there's something you need to surrender to God that you haven't surrendered in a while or that you never have through prayer. And, and maybe that's something you've been holding on to far too long. And what I do know about God is that when we come to him with an available heart, he'll work. He'll show up. When we enter his presence, he'll do the work that we expect him to do because he's faithful. He's powerful enough to do whatever he needs to do in our lives. If we show up with an available heart, you know, just as Paul showed us, when we surrender to Jesus, our old way of living goes to the grave with Jesus. And the, the things that you are not proud of, the things in your life that have dragged you down, they're going to the grave with Jesus. But the beautiful thing about the grave when Jesus went there is he didn't stay there. And you too don't have to stay there when you take the old thing, the things of your old life to the grave. You get to be raised up into new life alongside Jesus. As he walked out of the grave, you too get to walk out of the troubles of your life and, and rest your mind and your sights on what God desires for you, leaving the, the grip of the world on your life behind you. He makes old things new. Jesus is in the business of bringing beauty from ashes and, and using broken people like you and me for kingdom work that we could never, ever have imagined. So as I close, band, you can come. And, and I want to leave you guys with Paul's words this morning from Colossians as he closes up this passage that we've been looking at today. Colossians 3, verses 16 through 17 says this. Let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your life. Teach and counsel each other with wisdom that God gives. Sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Would you pray with me? It's been great hanging out with you guys today. I hope that message challenges you and encourages you today. We would love to have you on campus sometime at one of our services at 8.30 or 10.45 on Sunday. Or to find out more information about RSEC, you can always go to the RSEC Family app. Or follow us on any social media platform at RSEC Family. 
Most of all, remember, you matter. Not because I say you matter, but because God says you matter. Now go and be blessed.